Now, KMOX at your service. Welcome to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Now, here's your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right. Good morning. Welcome. KMOX, Scott Mosby. We are live and lively. Lots of things happening here on KMOX. Many things in the Midwest. Indeed, it's just a lovely place to live. We have two hours, two hours, two, one, two Two hours to be together here on KMOX. I have some live guests, uh, not to be confused with deceased guests, but we actually have live bodies in the studio here. I'll uh, break that to you in just a moment when we get some of the phone numbers and the times and all the normal things here for the Helitech Home Improvement Show. Scott Mosby, two hours. Phone lines, 10 of them, 10, yes, 1-0-314-436-7900. That's 314-436-7900 and toll-free 800-925-1120. That's toll-free anywhere on the globe. Miracle of modern internet as well as phone and voice over IP, all that. I don't know what that stuff means, but we have Bosco here. He is my pet gerbil. He is cranking out 50,000 watts on the treadmill as you see that little spinning thing going and that's how we get together here. 314-436-7900, toll-free, 800-925-1120. My name is Scott Mosby. This is my 20th year entering my third decade on X. That's a little scary, isn't it? They turned me loose down here with 50,000 watts. There's nothing between me and you except this control board of about 300 buttons And, you know, I work with concrete and wood and cherry and hardwoods and finishes. And, you know, my day job doesn't look a whole lot like this board. So uh, for the most part, I'll keep us together. And uh, successfully, I won't fry myself or our two guests here. Uh, So we're going to talk about that and many things here. Uh, My day job is Mosby Building Arts. I own and operate a company that is in its 70th year. Uh, we like round decades here. And it was my father's founding company, and I really grew into that and uh, learned from my father, Sam Mosby. We'll talk about him in a little bit when we get into our guests. Uh, however, uh, the company is a home remodeling company, not to be uh, confused with, you know, nail it up and, and, you know, slap the paint on it stuff. We have all trades represented in our company. We are licensed architects, uh, full design staff. So we're a full architectural firm. And then on top of that, we have our own self-perform or our own tradesmen that work hand-in-hand with that design team. So we're what's known as a design-build company. What that means is no matter what happens, good, bad, or ugly, it's our fault and it's our responsibility. Uh, However, buried down in that, when you control all the pieces and train all the folks together, You know, it's not too hard because any error in the system generally gets corrected by the next step of people. So uh, we have very few problems. Uh, We do have our issues like every other human on earth. But it's Mosby Building Arts, 70th year. We work very hard on most of our projects have a kitchen or a bath involved. And uh, we really have three main services. One is our design build service, which is an architecturally driven, more comprehensive, much larger projects. And then we have a uh, what's called a right bath, which is our bathroom uh, service. And that really handles and specializes. And many of these crews are very specialized. They may or may not move back and forth from one part of the company 
to the other because of their training and their experience. Uh, and then we have Exteriors by Mosby, which is largely an offshoot spinoff of this show. And that comes from understanding how water, moisture, and building science works. With that, it's uh, you put a roof on or siding or windows, that's great. However, implied in there is that you keep the weather out and the water out. So we're going to talk about a lot of things. I have two very uh, well-informed and trained guests uh, from ASHI, American Society of Home Inspectors. So we're going to talk about home inspection today. I have Mark Goodman, who's the current vice president of ASHI here in St. Louis. And Mark and I get together, oh, I don't know, once or twice a year. And, you know, we swap stories. Also, John Wessling, who's a past president of the St. Louis ASHI and now serves on the Ashy National Board. Uh, full disclosure, um, my father, Sam Mosby, was part of founding Ashy in St. Louis. Uh, so um, I, I'm, I, I know how tough your job really is. Let's put it that way. So uh, uh, gentlemen, how are you this fine day? I'm great. That's and Mark. I didn't know that about your father. Really? Oh yeah. my goodness! Uh, yeah, he some he and uh, two or three other fellows got together, um, frustrated by everybody had an opinion, and you know they were selling their services in home inspection. It was too early in the industry, and there was some need for standardization. So my dad was part of, of founding what you're here describing, and and it and it spins off into our business as well because we can't put a room addition on without fully assessing what all needs to be attended to. So I, I understand how difficult it is to do your job. John, uh, you're, you're part of this. You've been around in ASHI for many, many years. Yes, I have. Um, seems like just yesterday, but uh, well over a decade and a half, been in the industry. Uh, glad to be involved both locally as well as now on the national uh, level. And there's a lot to deal with there. Are, I mean, there are so many things. I, I know just in our world as home remodelers, and then I look at the code enforcement officials, and my gosh, we're accountable to get all that stuff right. And it's a rapidly changing uh, landscape of technology. And now, as the eyes and the ears for consumers purchasing homes or assessing buildings You've got to get all this stuff as well. And, oh, by the way, we can't tear anything apart while we're looking at it. So we have to read between the lines and, you know, try and interpret what we really can't see. And, you know, gentlemen, I'm I'm just pleased to have you here. And uh, uh, tell me, Mark, um, who and what is ASHI? So ASHI is the American Society of Home Inspectors. It's the only home inspector organization that has third-party accreditation for the training and the continual training and certifications of their home inspectors. And so we encourage anybody out there that's a home inspector and wanting to progress in the industry to come visit us, join ASHI. Uh, we're all about training. Um, that's, you know, our middle name. It's every month we have trainings. Twice a year we have annual seminars, and then we do other special trainings. And we have to get 20 continuing education credits a year that has to be verified as part of maintaining our certifications. 
Well, so ASHI as an organization is responsible for a rising tide, increasing the entire industry knowledge within your membership so that you serve the consumers even better every year. That's correct. Wow, Mark. John, uh, what's your history? Tell me about the national involvement as well. I mean, there, you know, we've got local and then we've got our regional and then we've got – and there, the issues are uh, different scopes but uh, kind of the same as well. Uh, yes, that's correct. Um, when you look at the regions, uh, we we have very similar issues throughout the Midwest, but there's also southern issues that are unique to that industry or that area of the of the country. Uh, where Ashy fits into it is was a group, like you said, your dad got together with some other gentlemen at that point in time, came together, said, "Hey, we need to make this more knowledgeable industry. Be responsible for people on on facts for mm-hmm. how houses are supposed to be built." So there was National ASHI was started, roughly 1976, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. And from there, local chapters are formed. St. Louis is a local chapter. We're one of the oldest chapters as well as one of the largest chapters here. Um, Mark also mentioned the uh, third-party independent certifications. Um, a few years ago, we went through a big effort on a national basis uh, with the National Commission for Certifying Agencies and it's about a five-year process, Wow! and we are, at this point in time, one of just over about 100 professional associations that have that. What that means is when we say we're within ASHI, there's also different levels of inspectors. There's the associate, there's the inspector status, and then there's the ASHI certified inspector. What we say when we are that third-party certification is there is a documented process for all that education and each level of proficiency that the individual inspector gains. And it is an individual certification. It's not a corporate or company certification. Each inspector does individually earn that title. Now, John, that's training, but is that also hours in uh, in the industry actually doing home inspections? It is. Uh, just a real quick recap. When you join ASHA, you join as an associate. Mm-hmm. Next level up would be the inspector status. You have to have 75 fee-paid inspections. Generally, you're going to go through some form of a two-week education course, although on-the-job training does count for, for a lot of that in some mm-hmm. cases. It's really a knowledge source, a knowledge-based. Uh, and then to progress to the ASHI certified standard, it is 250 fee-paid inspections. You pass the 200-question National Home Inspector exam. Yeah as well as you have your reports verified. Uh, you send your list of inspections up to national. They send it off, send it back to you and say, okay, send us these five to seven reports. You send those up to them, and they send it out to a group of retired home inspectors who have also been vetted uh, to review and give you critique. Wow. This industry, fortunately, has come a long way from the uh, cowboys that used to run around town and, well, you're smiling. You know what I mean. Uh, uh, Yeah. Well, and all that training coupled with the fact that most of the inspectors have come from the trades or engineering, architectural, or trades background helps uh, a lot because you understand the nuances of how the different systems work together because one thing can have an opinion an impact on 15 other things in the home. And if you don't understand that, it's kind of hard to say, well, this is what's going on here and this is why. Wow. Wow. 
You know, my father would be really proud of you two guys here. Uh, uh, it really, just to see where the the and if, if I'm not mistaken, the RESPA Real Estate Securities Practices Act basically the insure the real estate agent would say, yeah, it's a good water heater. Don't worry, the furnace is in great shape. You know, poof, next year it blows out, and the purchasing buyer says, well, you said it was good. So the real estate age agents effectively said, well, we, we need to get out of the line of fire. Let's find somebody else who's more knowledgeable about us. And, that, and my understanding was that's effectively how the whole in, in inspection industry happened was the real estate agents recognizing that, you know, that's not really our cup of tea. Yeah. That's my understanding too. Oh, good. Well, that's a good thing when I line up with the right answer. That's a, that's fortunate. <laughs> well, gentlemen, John and Mark, will you stick around here and let's uh, take some phone calls in the coming hour or, or more than that if you can uh, afford the time? Sure. Happy to. Sure. Great. We've got phone lines, 314-436-7900, toll-free 800-925-1120. We have indeed uh, Mark... And John and Scott here. We will be at your service shortly on KMOX. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, back together, live and lively. We have John Wessling, Mark Goodman, and Scott Mosby here at your service. A gentleman in the home inspection business, and I use that term loosely. It's more than homes. It's building inspection. You inspect pretty much whatever out there that's been constructed. So uh, That's correct. You know, um, have uh, do you get into inspecting buildings before a real estate transaction? Kind of preventive maintenance. Um. Go ahead, John. Okay. Uh, yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, not everyone does, but I offer pre-sale inspections. I offer maintenance, home safety checkups. Oh, perfect. Uh, I do just walk and talks where people just want to find out more about the home because I look at the, a home inspection, especially when I'm working with a buyer, I look at it, yeah, I'm there to inspect the building at that point in time in my professional opinion to tell you what I believe needs to be fixed, what doesn't need to be fixed, or what are concerns. But I'm also there, especially with first-time buyers, yeah. to help educate them on how to take care of their home. Yeah. What is this thing? What do I need to do? What, you know, what do I look for? Mark? Exactly. And, and we also do um, inspections for new construction. So people think they're buying a new house. They don't need an inspection. We still find things wrong. Not nearly as many on a house that somebody's lived in for a while or lived in for a long time. But we'll offer two different levels of inspections. We'll offer a pre-drywall inspection, which we have a standards of practice for. Mm -hmm. And that's a really good inspection because now we can see all those things that are normally concealed that you never see. So if somebody's notched a floor joist or something that they shouldn't have, that's called, we call that to their attention. Mm -hmm. And then we also do the final inspection right before they would close on a house, just like any other home inspection that we'd be doing. Second set of eyes, second opinion. I mean, humans are humans. So, you know, code officials aren't perfect either. And we're looking at a completely different set of things that code officials look at typically. Nice, nice. Well, how busy are you guys out there? Is the real estate industry hopping and popping or kind of asleep? The the real estate market has been on fire lately. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's more buyers than there are houses on the market. Oh, my. So there are multiple contract offers on any given property at any given time, and it just moves things so much more quickly. Wow. 
Wow. Well, let's get on the phone lines. You gentlemen ready to fire up the uh, phones and see what's cooking here? Sure. Let me see if I can keep from blowing us up. Uh, let's start with uh, Sean here. Sean, good morning. Welcome to CAMOX. Uh, John, Mark, and Scott, how can we help you, my friend? Morning, guys. Um, I'm in the process of buying a home in the St. Louis County part of Fenton. And in the, the backyard of this house is an above-ground sewage drain. And my question is, the area that it's in is really conducive to adding on to the decking that's already there. And my real concern is whether or not I'd be, you know, uh, causing any easement issues or, or any other problems with inspections or what have you with the city if I were to cover this sewer drain with decking and have some sort of trap door, of course, without impeding any drainage or anything like that, but have, have access to it through the deck if I were to uh, build the deck over the sewer drain. John? Yeah, John? Hey, Sean, I have a quick question for you. You used the term sewerage drain. Are you talking about a big manhole, or are you talking about a little white cap that might be about six, eight inches in diameter? Yeah, so it's, it's be a big manhole. So it's a concrete, you know, just like you'd find on the side of a, a street, except for that it's a standalone. So okay. it's probably yeah, a foot and a half off the ground, yeah. Yes, John, there would be definitely, you would need to consult with MSD and probably the city officials in Fenton to make sure that you would do anything according to the requirements because there are easements for that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you know, have you, have you heard of any, I mean, is it, are you aware of anybody that's done that, you know, that's, or it's been allowed to have done that? To, uh, oh, sure. My, not my dad himself, he lives over in the Afton area. He has a big old ugly manhole in the front yard for MSD. And mm -hmm. what he's done is he's created a raised flower bed around it. Mm -hmm. And in the center, he actually landscaped it around a little bit. So they can pop that manhole cover at any given time. And more importantly, their employee walking down the street doesn't have to go digging to find it. It's okay. still visible, but it's disguised and not the eyesore that it would be just sitting out in the middle of his front yard. Right. That's really my goal is to eliminate this huge eyesore, as you know, you put it, um, because it's it's not an attractive feature to the backyard, and it's it's right up close to the back of the house, so it's it's right there in your face every time you go outside. So, is there a right, landscaping? Can you uh, you know, Sean, just uh, faux it, fo you know, make it look like something different? Uh, as John mentioned, uh, you know, they need access to that manhole, and yeah. legally you can't really build anything permanent around it. But right, you know, landscaping right. and you know, you know, a whole bunch of flowers doesn't bother anybody. That's a possibility. The way it's positioned, it's kind of uh, recessed into the yard, so it's it's obviously at a low point. So, you know, my thinking would be to to add some level to the yard. Would be to you know add this decking um, to the existing deck, um, create you know more of a level um, communal area, and then uh, have that extend off into the yard. But no, that's that's also an option. You know, to add some landscaping or just some other more pleasant things to look at than, you know, a concrete square in a manhole. <laughs> sure. And, and even if you were to, if you contact MSD and MSD says, yes, you can, just understand they have the right, if they need to, they're going to come and tear everything out that you've done that's in their way, that's on the easement. Also, you need to be concerned with the building setback lines. The building may not allow for you to build something if it's cl too close to the property property edge and then you have the right. whole set of drainage issues and if you're putting piers or something in to support a deck structure how is that drainage going to impact on those piers which is the right. foundation to that deck structure 
Right. No, all all valid points, um, and all all things that we'll be considering, of course. Sean, do you have a survey for your rear yard? Um, not as of yet. We're in the early stages of purchasing the home, so I, I would suggest that, that should be coming. Yeah, I would suggest uh, if you can get a survey very soon because you'll see dotted lines for easements, and that mm-hmm. means you cannot build anything permanent on that. No pool, even pool decks, uh, no no decks, no piers. I mean, uh, effectively, this is a landscaping, something like John's father did, is charming this thing up the best you can. But uh, right. fr- frankly, from a legal standpoint, it doesn't belong to you. Right. No, yeah, that's... That's what we understand, and it's just, uh, you know, whatever the best thing we can do to hide this as best as possible is really what we're we're going to go with. And it sounds like, you know, obviously the landscaping and things would be the uh, the safest of the options. Yeah. So. Yeah. Now you're uh, in the process of purchasing that, Sean. Yes. Yes. We. Uh, if you could have that survey ready for the home inspector, you, that would be a empowering, and you would really be able to talk directly and get some straight answers from it, your ASHI inspector. Awesome. That's, that's a good point. I'll keep that in mind. Okay. All okay. right. Thank you guys for the help. All right, Sean. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Kind of a hot potato. Uh, you know, they're Ameren. You know, they have overhead wire easements. There are walking easements and neighbor. You know, those – So. Technically, Sean would own that real estate. He just can't use it. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. I'm not an attorney, but, uh, you know, easements mean they can come in with their backhoe or trucks or whatever and drive through the yard if they need to to do wholesale repairs. Even if you plant plants there, they can come oh, yeah. through and tear all those plants out with a, on a moment's notice without noti- notification. Yeah. And you're going to bear the cost of replacing those pan- plants. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Well, anyway, easements beware. Uh, Well, John, Mark, and Scott here. Uh, Let's take a short pause, come back for more on the KMOX Home Improvement Show with three smart heads in this room, and that means our producer, Mark, and John. Uh, We're going to have some long answers for you here on the next two hours. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. We are truly at your service here on KMOX. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby, on KMOX. Yes, indeed. Live and lively, as Mike Miller says in earlier hours, we are KMOX. We've got John Wessling and Mark Goodman, both American Society of Home Inspectors uh, from our St. Louis chapter. And we are talking about all things pertinent. You should hear, actually, you should hear the microphones off uh, that conversation is probably as interesting as what you're hearing today. Let's uh, start with the phones and, and get back to Tom. Hey, Tom, good morning. Welcome to KMOX, my friend. How may we help you? Thanks for taking my call, Scott. Yes. I've got um, I've got a uh, brick and stone home that is uh, typical of what you'd find in St. Louis, about 85 years old. And in my basement, over the course of 18 years, my plaster wall has bubbled out and I've scraped it off and replastered it and done that several times. So I knew I had some, some water coming in from the outside. Um, this week I had a friend that wound up with access to a backhoe and he was kind enough to, to help me out. We dug out the exterior around the foundation and I'm going to tuck point where I, where I can see there's, uh, some tuck pointing necessary. 
But since I've got this whole thing dug out, I'm wondering if there's something that you could recommend that I could put on the whole wall as a sealer. So this would be a below-grade limestone foundation. Looking for something to seal it up before I backfill it with the dirt. Uh, in um, more performance-based uh, waterproofing, think of the outside of the house as a swimming pool. And go for a very heavy mill, like 30 mil thick liner. There are membranes that are made for this. Uh, and effectively, Tom, uh, what I would suggest and how we've handled this in the past is a 30 to 60 mil membrane that has to get along with Mother Nature underground for 60 to 100 years. Uh, and then backfill it with clean limestone. In other words, invite the water to come in easily and quickly, and then you've got to own it. Now you own it, so you have to have collection in some sort of a drain tile down at or below the footing level where the foundation wall and the footing are. So w with your stone foundation, that might be a little tough to figure out where that is. But... Effectively, wallpaper the outside of this house, the, the soil will push or the gravel will push that membrane up against the foundation and then drain it. And do you have a downhill slope away from your home to where this uh, eight foot deep or however deep pipe would gravity drain? Um, not quite that steep, but it's, it's got a little bit of slope to it. Uh, if, you can, if you can run that pipe out to where it... Mother Nature does this, you know, what's called a passive drain where gravity just lets the water run downhill and escape from that gravel trench. That's the best way to handle it. Otherwise, you're putting in a very deep and, and um, um, hard to access but a sump pump eight foot down underneath the ground to collect that water, pump it up. The good news is it's, you know, six to eight feet underground, so you're below the frost line. It doesn't necessarily freeze, but when the pipe comes up out of that hole... Uh, it is freezable, so it, you've got your hands full. But keeping the water on a f relatively flat lot there, your biggest issue is getting rid of the water once you collect it. That big membrane does a really good job of keeping the water away from the foundation and keeping it, you know, the, the gravel will just push it up. And uh, But any liquid-applied thing is subject to movement. Uh, so if your foundation shifts, uh, we get a drought, uh, we have a flood, all that soil moves, you know, it moves all those hundreds of stones around and you will crack that tuck pointing. Uh, so that, think of it as a big swimming pool liner. If you could take your whole house, dip it down inside of a big um, rubber bowl or pool liner, you know, you can make that thing pretty watertight. But you now own that water that is collecting in that, you know, 18 inches perimeter outside that membrane in that trench you dug. You know, you ba instead of putting dirt back in, the, in that hole, uh, mm -hmm. backfill it with something where the water travels easily through um, so that it gathers, collects. Otherwise, it carries with it the dirt and the mud, and then the mud eventually plugs up your pipe, and then all of this is, is for naught in about six or seven years. Do you have a recommendation for where to where to get that membrane or a, or a brand name? Um, a ASP products. Uh, there are call wholesale foundation places, um, uh, or uh, I forget where we get uh, that. But there are um, membrane um, 
this is not uncommon in the St. Louis area, but it, it typically gets distributed by people who sell concrete foundation forms, form release. Uh, they sell the liquid applied uh, damp proofing materials. Don't mix that up with waterproofing. It's called waterproofing. It's not. It's a damp proof material. So, I, you know, Breckenridge Concrete, Landvetter would know. Um, uh, um, New Way Concrete, N-U-W-A-Y, uh, they would know about this. Um, I think another one is ASP, uh, which is down in Fenton. Uh, they sell uh, dewatering systems. Is this all okay. sounding pretty good for you, Tom? Yeah, thank you very much. Good luck, man. You're in the big leagues. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot. <laughs> all right. Take care. Bye now. John or Mark, anything to add to that uh, call? Well, you know, stone foundations were never originally meant to be dry. In fact, most of these 80 to 120-year-old houses in the city, they didn't even have concrete floors. Yeah. And so when you put the concrete floor in the basement, you've just changed the design of the system. And now how do you control that moisture? Yeah, good point. It, wasn't, it was made to be a root cellar. Exactly. Much. Yeah. The, the other thing to be concerned with, especially on that old of a building, is you have to look at what the construction techniques and materials were. Chances are that's a very old lime sand mortar mix. So it's a softer mortar mix. So he's going to have to go back to someone who can give him the right mortar mix. Yeah. A lot of the mortar today is a concrete sand, and it's a lot harder. What can happen is you can actually put too hard a mortar in, and then you're starting to break your stone rather than you know have that shifting that occurs naturally along the uh, mortar joints. Yeah, that's... Um Gosh, uh, uh, Tom, uh, F.W. Clemens, uh, F.W. C.L.E.M., I think E.N.S. in the city, uh, uh, supplies a lot to the Masons. They would be able to help you with that mix and the materials. So when you go back into Tuck Point, do this relatively simple thing with the stone, like John's saying, you can pulverize your foundation with the wrong mortar mix. Good point, John. Thank Good catch. All right, gentlemen, we'll take a pause. We'll take a little bit. We'll come back. We're into long questions and long answers here on CamoX, but you're getting the straight skinny on University of CamoX. And now, back to the Helitech Waterproofing Home Improvement Show. Once again, your host, Scott Mosby on KMOX. All right, here we are back together, Home Improvement KMOX. We're going to go talk to Wilma, who has a whistling toilet. Wilma, good morning. Welcome to CamWax. How can we help? Hi, Scott. Uh, yes, um, about a week ago it started when you flush, every time you flush the toilet in the master bathroom, it whistles really loud. Now, do we need a plumber for that or is that a something we can do ourselves? I'm thinking an orchestra conductor and, you know, maybe a banjo <laughs> might be appropriate. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds right. It, it's a real real yeah. loud whistle. Uh, I don't know where it's coming from, but it's every time you flush the toilet. Well, it's your toilet guts that typically wear out. Uh, think about this. Um, you know, a clarinet or a saxophone, a, a, a reed in instrument, a woodwind instrument, um, that's effectively what's happening. The water is um, coming through a very small orifices that uh, toilet 
uh, float valve is trying to choke off the flow of that um, water. Either your pressure could be too high or that spring and the toilet um, insides are just getting worn. Uh, So typically, uh, have have you done anything to increase water pressure in your home recently or that you know of? No, no, I don't think so. I I think you're just ready for some new toilet guts. uh, So we do need to call the plumber then, huh? Yep, yep. And and while there, just uh, just tell the plumber what's going on. Have him check your pressure-reducing valve, too, because, uh, you know, sometimes those get worn. And what that does is, you know, you may have very high water pressure in the neighborhood, and to protect your, you know, dishwasher, clothes washer, and, you know, toilets and various other uh, mechanical devices, they, that limits the pressure inside your home so you don't, you know, blow things out of the wall. Oh, okay. Well, I thank you very much, Scott. Oh, all right, Wilma. Good luck. You too. Bye-bye. Oh, bye now. And next, let's see what's cooking here with Donald. Hey, Donald, welcome to Cam Wex. How can we help, my friend? <clears throat> Got a roof problem. Okay. Uh, the roofer uh, walked and the adjuster both they were up on a roof and they uh heard a lot of squeaks up there <clears throat> and this uh su- suggests that uh, the boards up there the plywood needs replacing he wants to replace it cuz he says if the glue dried out and the, the uh, plywood delaminating why it it won't hold the nails of the new roof okay and are they asking you to pay for that? Yeah. Um, Donald, there is a situation. Uh, how old is your house? It was uh, about 45 years old. Uh, right about that time, uh, there were three-eighths-inch plywood and five and half-inch plywood. Three-eighths-inch plywood kind of came around the same time of uh, on the end of aluminum wiring, so to speak. Uh, they were figuring out ways to cut costs, and that plywood will not hold nails and does need to have a new application over it. Uh, I don't often see plywood wearing out on a roof, but I do occasionally see three-eighths-inch thick plywood that that will fit all of those descriptions. And it's, you know, I'm not an insurance adjuster or attorney, but typically that's uh, for the insurance company to laminate. Uh, because it, you know, for if there really wasn't an occurrence, if there is hail damage, uh, so I, I would, uh, I'd get a, a second inspection here. Gentlemen, do you uh, get involved in any of those things, uh, you know, John or Mark? On We can do some roof inspections. Um, you know, part of the home inspection process is going up into the attic, mm-hmm. and that tells you a lot of things. It, it could be... Uh, ventilation moisture issue that's caused delamination to the plywood sometimes we see. Not very often, but we do see that sometimes. Sometimes the plywood, you know, has had too many roofs on, especially with that three ace and, you know, you have some blowout. But a lot of times you walk on some of these roofs of the age you're talking about and that soft plywood feels and that roof surface feels soft and it's where you're stepping on 3 ace plywood. It's not that it's necessarily bad. Yeah. Well, I, Donald, I would surely get another set of eyes on that. Um, uh, John, any suggestions here? We've got about 15 seconds. You know, like Mark said, a lot of times ventilation can factor into that, especially with, with an older roof with the 3 eighths or the half inch. It mm-hmm. could be delaminating. So, yes, 
Uh, definitely a home inspector could come in who, who knows what they're doing and take a peek at that attic as well for you. Yeah, I think you're going to need a second set of eyes, Donald. Okay, thanks a lot for your guys' help.